today we continue in our series titled, To Be Rich. Hope you're enjoying that video. That's a snapshot of you. A few shots of folks in our church serving in our community and beyond our community as well. It's a little bit. There's much more that we do. But we want to give you a flavor of what it is simply to serve, give, love, bless others. We've been blessed, which is what the Be Rich series is about. You should have received the book in the mail or you may have received it last week. If not, we have a book titled Be Rich by Andy Stanley. It's available for you. You can pick that up when you leave today there in the atrium. Love to have you have a copy of that book. Pastor David and I read that some time ago and wanted our church family to read it as well. We arranged to make sure we had all the books available for you. And so it's simply a free gift to you. And we hope you enjoy uh, the wisdom that you'll gain from that book. As you hope we, we, I also hope you enjoy the wisdom gained from the Proverbs text that was read. Uh, the scripture verses of Timothy that are part of that video that we that tell those who are rich to be generous and give and share and love and serve and and the premise we have that really we're all rich, and that's the question I want to ask you. What would it take for you to say, I am rich? What's the qualifier for any of us to say, today, right now, I'm rich, I'm wealthy. What does it take? Uh, how much money does it take? What's that line where we say, that is a rich person, a million dollars, five million, a billion, what is it? What size house is it? How many rooms does it have to have? How big is the pool? What does it take? I'm rich. I've got a house this big. Or what car? How much does it have to cost? What brand does it have to be? Uh, how many homes do we have to have? Lake homes or homes in Italy or homes in Colorado. What does it take to say I am rich? And, and we have ways of saying what those are. In fact, uh, Ron and I occasionally, my wife and I occasionally watch on television some of these shows about what they call rich people. Uh, and they'll show their, uh, the, the jets they have or the boats they have or, or whatever it might be. We'll say, well, we're not rich like that. So what, how do we say, how do I say I am rich? What does it take? Remember my very first job that I had when I was around 13 years old. It was at a warehouse in Okinawa, Japan. My dad was stationed there in the Air Force. And, and we worked, my brother and I worked that job all day there in the summertime. Got my first paycheck. I still remember what I purchased with that first check that I had. Uh, I bought 10 Marvel comic books. I bought a case, an entire case of cream soda. And I bought a large package of Reese's peanut butter cups. And I would have told you as a 13-year-old boy, I am rich. This is everything I wanted. I didn't want anything else. What's better than that? You know, that's how you think when you're 13 years old. I've got everything I could ever imagine, and I bought it with my very first paycheck. Last year during our series of Stewardship Campaign, which is really what this is, uh, we came time for the last weekend where we encouraged people to make a commitment from which we use that commitment to really plan next year's life and mission for our church. The things that you saw are part of that decision-making process as we make our commitments together. And someone let me know right after that, we got a pledge card you need to see. And it's my grandson, Cody, who was eight years old at the time. And he had been to the service, and he had heard the sermon, and he'd heard the series. Says, I want to be a part of that. You know, I want to I help with that. And so he pledged for this year $65. A lot of money when you're eight. In fact, my, my daughter said, that's all the money he has in the world. He saved it his entire life to get $65. Well, it turned out that they, uh, my, my son-in-law was going to be stationed in the Army not long after that in Puerto Rico, and they were moving in January. So they came like the first or second weekend of January, and 
my grandson bought $65, nickels, quarters, dollars, $5, in a very thick envelope. And with the biggest smile you ever saw, he put that in the offering plate and, and paid his commitment for the year that he had made. You know, with a smile and joy. Now, he could have bought, you know, how many video games? I don't know. I don't buy video games, so I don't know. Uh, He could have bought some Reese's peanut butter cups, a bunch, even now, maybe even a case of cream soda. But the price has gone up since 19 so-and-so when I did it. Uh, But I want you to think about what all the, what does it take to say that I am rich? What is it to be rich? You know, is it about what Jesus teaches, the Bible says, the Proverbs teaches here today that it's about the ability and willingness to be generous. Generosity and wealth go hand in hand. The Bible says it is. Jesus taught that in his life example and the words that he gives us. Certainly the Proverbs text today tells us that. I'm going to show you a couple pictures. I'm going to show you a picture of uh, what's called the Salton Sea. You may have seen this picture before. Uh, there it is. Now, that sea is in California, and it's really a, a, a it was fresh water, lake is what it was, and it was a miracle. It's in the middle of a desert. And yet some changes in topography there, uh, a flood and a lot of rain came at an unusual place, an unusual time, and this lake, very, very large lake, appeared. When it appeared, they put fish in it. They built resorts around it. People would travel there to camp and to enjoy the resorts and to fish and go to the beach in the middle of this desert. It was a miracle in every way, but as time went on, no new rain replenished it at a certain level anyway. There was no exit for the water to go out. It just kind of puddled there in this big lake, and it got saltier and saltier and saltier. The saline uh, level of it began to increase. It grew bitter. The fish began to die. So did the resorts and the trips and the journey. Was the, what was, became a miracle is a very sad picture there in that desert. Now, are you with me on the story we're telling today in this message? Now, I'll show you the second picture. Uh, the second picture is uh, one of the largest springs in the world, the largest spring in the Ozarks, I believe the largest spring in the United States, called Big Spring. What a good name for the largest spring in the Ozarks. Uh, now, what's unique about that is it boils up out of the ground at the base of a cliff. After having lots of water that rains other places uh, and flows other places, flows underground through uh, hundreds of miles of limestone all around, uh, being filtered, and it bursts forth there. Uh, It's 54 degrees, which is very cold water. It's absolutely pure. Some water that you drink from maybe some bottled water comes from the Ozarks making up in that spring. Uh, It has been filtered, it's pure, it's cold, it's fresh, it's amazing water, and it flows, let me get the exactly right, 470 cubic feet per second, a lot of water. It's so powerful, it dissolves 175 tons of limestone every single day. Now, that's a spring, and that's a miracle there, that's a much greater miracle, is that water flows and forced and changed and transforms and comes out from that limestone to the beauty and cold and freshness there at the base of that cliff there in the Ozark Mountains. How beautiful that is. I think that's how God, how God wants us to be. 
the, the miracles of his grace and blessings flow through us and our heart and soul, our experience, our worship, our, our praise, our gratitude, and flows through us and it bursts forth into whether it's painting someone's house, as you saw on the screen, making a commitment on a stewardship weekend, uh, giving an offering that makes a difference, serving your family, your neighbor, your community, all the ways we make a difference. That's what I believe God wants us to do and where life is lived the best. And if we choose that kind of life, we can say not only am I rich, but there's no limitations to it. There's always limitations to our resources that we may try to to access and build up. There's no limitations to giving myself away to others, whether it be financial or simply the work that I give or, or I do or the service that I offer or the handshake that I offer, all the ways that we're called upon to serve and love God. If generosity is your way, you can say with me that I am rich and there's no limits to what Jesus taught as the abundant life. Because that exactly is the abundant life he said, I want you to live. If we choose that, we experience a wonderful life ahead of us. The title of the message around that terminology is Wisdom and Wealth, How It Ties Together. Andy Stanley uh, said these words, these are also theme words for this uh, series, along with the scripture verses you saw intermixed with the video earlier on leading into the message. It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. And the way you think about that will define whether you are wealthy or not. The way I think about it will define whether I am wealthy or not. Most of us can really access what we have. We know what that is. We can qualify, here is what I have. Here's how much my house costs. Here's how much I owe in my house. Here's my equity. We probably know what that is. Here's my car. It's paid for or it's not. Here's how much my I owe. Am I upside down or am I not? You know, here's a credit card. Here's my bank account. Here's my retirement funds. Whatever you might have, a little bit or a lot, we can pretty much know what we have. And that's not a qualifier of biblical wealth. A qualifier of biblical wealth is what I do with it, whether it's a small amount or a large amount. How do I define wealth for me will change how I experience my Christian life, how I walk with joy and peace in my own heart, not only and how, how I make a difference, but also how I feel about my own life and understand it as a Christian man or Christian woman. It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. And two verses from the Proverbs text, Wisdom and Wealth, uh, verse 9 first, chapter 3. Honor God with everything you own. Give God the first and the best. Now see that as a way of thinking and feeling and believing. It's how I understand myself or how I should grow in wisdom to understand myself. And it's a way of thinking and believing and feeling and living one's life. Okay, the second verse here, verse 10 says, So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Now this is harder for us because most of us don't live on the farm. This is talking about kind of biblical farm life. Now some of you may have grown up on a farm. There may be farmers here today, I don't know. Uh, Most of us had parents or grandparents or great-grandparents who lived on the farm, because most Americans did, going back a few generations or even a generation. Both, both my parents grew up on the, in farm life in that generation. But it's a miracle is how it's to be understood. To have a seed planted and it grows, there's life in it. 
And that seed has a harvest that grows from it. That's a miracle. Having the, having the weather go just right, the rainfall when it needs to and not to fall when it doesn't. Have the soil, not to have too many weeds, to have not insects come in and eat up the crop. To have the, the, the temperature be just right, the right time in the right place. You know, when you think about it, it's all a miracle when the harvest comes and we reap the harvest and here it is. We can be generous with it as well as enjoy it. And Timothy also says to enjoy what God's given us as well as give what God's given us. That's two parts of this journey of being rich. Now, because you and I typically live upon either an inheritance or uh, uh, we live upon uh, uh, an income we receive from our job, our retirement monies we set aside, uh, or other ways we increase money into our corpus, whatever, whatever term you want to use, and we live that way, or you know, hand to mouth, or we have lots of leftover, who knows, we often miss the fact that it's a miracle equally so and recognizes how God has chosen to bless us in our life. As you think about that, the, the Stanley book, uh, Be Rich, uh, says that there are two kinds of givers, two kinds of people who are generous. The first is a 3S giver, because each one starts with an S, which is why it's the 3S giver. It's on your message page. And the first, the, the three S's are those who give spontaneously. That means I make an emotional decision to give, maybe when I'm in church. I'll, I'll have some money in my pocket, I'll give it. Or I see something on television, that looks so sad, I want to help toward that, so we might give toward that. And we have spontaneous ways of giving. I'm going to give us time to give a tip. I'm at a restaurant, so they were really nice and brought me water when I wanted it. I'm going to spontaneously give them a bigger tip than I usually give, you know. And so we're spontaneous in giving. There's also sporadic giving. I don't really have any rhyme or reason to it. This every once in a while I give. I mean, I give an act of service, or I help someone, or I volunteer here, uh, or I write a check or give an offering, or however we choose to do that. And thirdly, sparingly. That means it's not really much of a sacrifice. Uh, I just, I try not to sacrifice at all possible. You know, that means I give sparingly, uh, and so I give from my wealth. I have enough, so I can give a little extra, so I'm happy to give it away. It doesn't impact me in a negative way, so I do that. That's a 3S giver. And there's, then there's the 3P giver, 3P giver, which is the, the proverb giver, the be rich giver, uh, the giver that Jesus taught about us to be, giving as you have received, and the Timothy text that we're reading throughout the series that was part of the video you saw as well, and that is to give as a priority. And you know, I know, we know who we are when being generous is a priority and not a secondary thing. It's kind of who we are. It's to give percentage as a percentage. That means what Jesus said, give as I've received. If I have a little, I give a little. Have a lot, give a lot. Give percentage. And you probably know this. It's been studied many times, but the more people make, the less they give percentage-wise. The less they make, the more likely they're going to give percentage-wise. That means the poorest person often gives more of their income percentage-wise than the wealthiest person. And you figure out why that is. But that's, that's often said to be true. It is said to be true. And then progressively, that means I understand wealth around generosity. And so when I can give more, I like that. I enjoy that. That's a good part of my experience, whether that's giving of an act of service, as you saw in the video, uh, the giving of an offering, as we had opportunity to do today, or a commitment to give in this series, which will come in two weeks, as we commit to give in our annual campaign for next year, underwriting next year's uh, life and mission budget that we have. It's progressive giving. We have a family in our church 
uh, that it's always tithes. And they told me that, you know, we're giving, uh, we're, we're giving a different way today. We're called, they called it reverse tithing. And I thought, well, what is that? What that means is we have money now that we've already tithed on. We tithed on that money and we saved it. Now that money's growing for various reasons, and so we're giving from that money to a second time around, you know, and, and they're loving it. They're loving doing that. They're loving being able to be progressive givers in their life. And again, it's a way of thinking about wealth is what we're saying. Uh, in our culture, wealth is, I have this much money or this big a house, or this expensive a car, or this second home or third home, or whatever it might be, and those are all good. The Bible says enjoy God's gift to you, so I'm not criticizing that. What we're talking about is the ability to say, no, wealth is generosity for me, and it's redefining the idea of wealth itself and being rich itself in this way. Now a question from verse, it actually is from verse 2 of the the, uh, Proverbs text in chapter 3. Do you and I want peace and a satisfying life? This proverb, which says it's about wisdom, and I believe the Bible knows what it's talking about. I believe Jesus knows what he's talking about. I believe the Bible's right, so I believe there's wisdom here that we can gain that we need to know. Do you want peace and a satisfying life? There are many who believe peace is this, that I want to find some security, and that is to build up enough resources to guarantee every future impossible need that may happen. And so my task is to garner enough resources, whatever they might be, that my future is now secure. I will never have to worry about money, paying bills, having what I want, going where I want, doing what I want. And so that person says, security for me, and, and peace comes for me through security. And security is having all these resources I've garnered, and, and that person is never going to have peace because there's never enough resources. Uh, peace can only come from God. We can lose all that we have in a minute. Death takes it all from us. And so we look for peace from resources, we'll never have peace. That's what we think. But also people want satisfaction, not just security. They want satisfaction. And these folks often feel like to have satisfaction, I have to be satisfied. To be satisfied, I have to appease every appetite that I have. And so the urges we have, we want to be pleased and appeased, and that maybe I want to have more fun, uh, or I want to do more things, or I want to eat more food, or whatever it might be. You know, I want the Cowboys to win another Super Bowl. You know, five is not enough. We, and, I, and I hope they win another one one of these days, not this year evidently, but one of these days. You know, but, but that's not how we find, you know, happiness. That's not, that's not how we find satisfaction. So the question is, do you want peace and a satisfying life? This Proverbs wisdom tells us what that is. And it tells us five quick things. I'm going to quickly with this. It's on your message page, verse 3. First, write God's wisdom on your heart. Don't believe what the world tells you. Listen to God. God knows what he's talking about. Generosity is where we find security. Generosity is where we find satisfaction. God is the author of all things good. God provides. God blesses. We respond to that with generosity. So write that wisdom on our heart. Begin to be shaped and formed by the wisdom of biblical faith. And don't believe that we can find security by having enough stuff set aside. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but we won't find peace there or that I can find satisfaction by doing everything that I want to do. 
that will actually be the opposite of being satisfied. Secondly, verse 5, trust in the Lord with an action. Trust in the Lord with an action. You know, Cody gave his gift. And that action with, uh, with uh, an understanding of faith is where trust really is lived out. Till we do that, we really don't know what it is to trust God. Say, so, God, I trust you. I trust you. Here's, here is that act of faith that I have that shows that trust that I have. Trust in the Lord with an action. Verse 6, acknowledge God's existence and his love in everything. That all that I do, acknowledge that God is. And I believe that there's a supernatural component to generosity. It's not just me, it's me and God together and my faith and walk with God. And so God's involved in that. And that's where you have the image of of the water flowing through the limestone through my life and soul and experience. The grace that God gives me in my own life. My realization that I belong to God and God cares for me and loves me, provides for me. And when it bursts forth in that kind of gratitude... That acknowledgement of God, there's a supernatural component there. Not only in how we experience God, but how God can bless us in new and special and meaningful ways. And finally, verse 6, and your life's journey will be blessed. Your life's journey will change. It'll become different. It'll be about the words we have. It'll be a rich, a journey of wealth, a journey of, of being rich, a journey of peace, a journey of satisfaction. As God gives us his wisdom that teaches us, and we begin living by that wisdom. And that's an ongoing, lifelong process the Bible teaches. And back to the original image that I, that I gave you today. It's an image of that salt and sea where uh, that miracle happened. All those gifts were poured into it, and it just had no outlet. And it slowly, slowly just died and killed everything in it. But the other is where instead that's pushed through all that limestone and that rock and that water and it comes out cool and clear and fresh with no limitations just pouring into uh, the land and Ozark mountains around it. I think that's how God wants us to live. He wants us to design our life around generosity. No matter how much we have, that's not a factor in being generous. Simply giving as we've received, serving as we've been served, loving as we've been loved. And living that kind of life is where abundance truly is experienced. And that's a fundamental lesson of, of, of be rich. So I hope you and I can say today uh, and every day, I am rich. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for the words that you give us. Thank you for the life you've given us and the blessings you've given us. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to be taught. We want to live your way. Help us do that, God, by the words spoken today, the words read today, the songs sung today, and by hearts given to you as you've given us everything in your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.